My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. I want to ask a simple question. What is your dream job? Strip away every taboo, no direction, wayward ambition nonsense. Dream job. For many of you, it might involve animals of some sort. And we'll get there later on this season. But first, something universal. Now, if you were clever enough to read the episode title, then you already know. Today, we're talking the gooey, melted, crust and chrome grease vehicle we all know and love, pizza. You've got your classics, Sicilian squares, Neapolitan or Marguerite pizza, Greek. Then there's your city varieties, New York, Chicago, St. Louis. You even got your call me by your other name options, like a calzone, flatbread, or stromboli. And if you're Scottish, you deep fry that shit. It's real, have a fun Google on that one. Because as writer Scott Kiernan says, pizza, after all, is universally beloved. It's the Beyonce of foodstuffs. You either like it in one capacity or another, or you're lying. And if that's true, then there's no dream job more tasty than that of an international pizza consultant. And sure, international is in the name. But the world's foremost pizza czar resides in, where else? New York City. So we grabbed our gear, readied our stomachs, and ate our way through the streets of New York. But I'm getting ahead of myself. First, let's cue the theme song, and I'll meet you on the Lower East Side. If you've wanted yet feared to do work that is weird, this is the show you just need to hear. I'm Sam Balter, and this is Weird Work. Now let's listen to them speak about their jobs, which are quite unique. Weird Work. All right, great, you're back. We start the day at a nostalgic pizza joint. There's the counter by the door, framed photos of Biggie on the walls, and a bar and some tabletop seating in the back. I was told this is the best pizza in New York. So given the choice, this is where I'll have breakfast. Oh, you see that? The place, of course, is Scar's Pizza. And everything looks good. I especially like the square slice. That's Anthony Falco. He's passably 5'10", with greased back hair under a shallow ball cap, wearing a faded black t-shirt, with a wizard, hands hovering over a crystal ball planted square in the heart of his chest. And you can't miss that gold chain around his neck. Anthony's Sicilian, and the man looks the part. By way of Brooklyn, of course. We grab our slices and pull up into one of the booths in back. 
Okay, up front. Let's get into it. You're looking to hire a pizza consultant. What does that mean? As much as possible. So it's like 10 to 12 hour days, 14 hour days sometimes. And we have a limited amount of time to go through the entire menu. <laughs> so, you know, we may have five or six iterations of dough to go through. We might have eight tomatoes to try. Like, then there's like a menu of eight to 15 pizzas and we have to go through all of those. So like... The pizza isn't decided until like 10 weeks before the restaurant opens. Pizza isn't decided until two, a week to two weeks before the restaurant opens. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that can cause maybe a little bit of anxiety for my clients. Is <laughs> like they hire me and like they may not even taste pizza for a year. Because, you know, what we're doing is initially is, you know, designing the layout, deciding on equipment. But generally what I do is I have a retainer. It's like basically you retain my services as your pizza guy for a year. I think right now my rates are like $10,000 a year for that to just hold me. Yeah. And, and work me re remotely. Um, and then I'm like $1,000 a day on site. Look, every assumption I might have had coming into this is going to get dismantled pretty handedly throughout the day. So let's get the first one out of the way. Anthony's not the only international pizza consultant. So it's not uncommon. You didn't feel like this was like, I'm no, making a new international job. pizza consulting is actually a thing. Like, <laughs> I'm just the first person to like talk about it a lot on Instagram, I guess. Yeah. But like there's there's a cottage industry of guys from Naples who are consult on pizza internationally. Huh. Like if you go to Mumbai, you know, there's a Neapolitan pizza place in, in the Four Seasons or whatever there. Somebody, they brought a guy from Naples to show him how to do it. So folks like Anthony help others open pizza joints the world over. But if you've ever hit the bricks internationally, you've no doubt run into a pizza hut. Be it New York, Jakarta or Santiago, Chile. I mean, someone's opening those shops. So what makes Anthony's work any different? I see the pizza world is split into like three different categories of international pizza operations. So the first one is uh, the, the big four American chains. Pizza Hut, yep. Domino's, uh, Little Caesars, and Papa John's. And they operate all over the world. And their, their mission in life is to make the same pizza everywhere they go. Yeah. Then you have the second group of people, the VPN Neapolitan pizza makers, like certified experts in Naples pizza. And they go around the world and they're trying to make the same pizza everywhere in the world. And then there's me. And I'm going around the world and I'm never making the same pizza twice. Because when I go to a place, I want to have a conversation with that local food culture and food system. So in Brazil, we use Brazilian flour. You know, in Thailand, I found a Thai kid who has a mozzarella making company. You know, you're not going to get the same thing that you see everywhere. You're going to get something that's unique to that location. But before Anthony found his little slice of heaven and started raking in that pizza consulting dough, Anthony's childhood started with your typical nuclear family. You know, a dad on the run from the government, a pile of money buried in the backyard. Just some classic 1950s suburb stuff. You know, I didn't really come from money. Like, my dad at the time was like a 
a fugitive. Uh, he had he was like a drug smuggler, and he went on the run because it, it's not like it is today. Yeah. Like he was smuggling pot, but like um, I don't know if you remember, like in '95, Newt Gingrich was like, "We need to give the death penalty to these people." And so instead of stick around and see what would happen, you know, he took off. Yeah. And so my mom was working, you know, kind of jobs to put herself through uh, college and you know working at night to support me and my sisters so my college fund was a can of money that had <laughs> been buried in a farm um and someone else in the family had dug it up and Are you- used it before i could get to use it to go to college so anthony was out of money with college firmly out of reach but anthony did find a purpose i have two older sisters my middle sister mary she had uh, a kid when she was like young, when she was 19, and like her, uh, the dad, um, you know, her boyfriend at the time, he was murdered and he was he was shot to death in our neighborhood. Oh God! Um, and so like I really felt like I needed to make money to support him, so he could go to college and he could do whatever he wanted. Anthony went out looking for work. And then when Gary, the father of my sister's child, Frankie. Um, when he was murdered, uh, my friend in Seattle, Phillips, he was like, uh, you know, you should stay here, stay with me. And, uh, I started washing dishes and then I worked, then I moved my way up to pasta cook and then I was managing the pasta (laughs) restaurant. And then, um, and then we started this company. Anthony and his friend made websites. I know Seattle, the nineties, of course it was websites. And I was sending money to back home and, yeah. you know, and I was also kind of helping my dad who was, you know, a fugitive, uh, sending him money, which he later on surrendered himself and went to jail. So that's like, I don't think I can be prosecuted for that now. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had gotten into that and really was important to me to like make a bunch of money. I was really focused on like. I was like, I really got to do this and make like a million dollars before I'm 21. That was my goal. But just as Anthony was starting to find financial success, back home, tragedy struck once more. And this time, it forever shaped who Anthony was to become. Like, it sounds like things are going like pretty swimmingly, you know, like you're Well, Frankie, my, um, my sister's son, he died in a car accident right before his fifth birthday, which his birthday was the day um, before mine. And it was like, really like, you know, he was gonna be like, I was like, my whole life was geared around taking care of him. And um, so when he died, and so my sister, you know, I mean, lost her entire family, you know, in the course of like two, three years. Um, So when I went down there and, um, you know, we buried Frankie, I mean, you, when you, when you bury a child, it's like, you know, it's just kind of makes you question everything. And, you know, the fact that his father was murdered, you know, it was, it was pretty tragic, you know, and it was kind of like, it was like, I looked around and I was like, I don't really like working in like staring in front of a computer all day like you'll I there was a path that I probably could have you know become rich and very successful in the tech industry yeah but I would have had to suppress kind of the love of coming into work every day like did that I did not have you if you pretend to be something like long enough it's like you'll start to become that and I started thinking about like when I was really happy was you know, when I was in the restaurant industry, when I was cooking, you know, so I started from the bottom again. I quit, you know, the company and I took a year sabbatical. I kind of traveled around the world. So Anthony reconnected with his father, still on the run. And the two met up in Amsterdam, where after a little inspiration, let's call it. Drink and, you know, smoke peyote and like, you know, just kind of figure out what was going on with the world. Anthony's focus on tech stardom and early retirement, all that was gone. 
He needed something new, something for himself, something simple. Um, but I did really fall in love with these french fries that were <laughs> in Amsterdam, and it was like a hole in the wall, and they were just fucking mind-blowing. I thought this was such a great idea. Anthony wanted to do something similar. So when he got the opportunity to open a small restaurant at a bar back in Seattle, he jumped at the opportunity. I basically had run out of my um, dot-com money at that point, <laughs> and um, I started, you know, maxing out my credit cards to open this place. Got it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it went, it was going pretty well. Like, um, there was like, I won like a national AOL, Best French Fries in the United States Award. Nice. AOL. So, uh, like, I'm really just kind of like focusing on this thing. And I, I love restaurants that really specialize in one thing and like yeah. go for it. And I think a lot of chefs do too. Um, but I got really tired of changing the oil. And, and on that day, a vision. And this pizza place opened around the corner, and it was one of the first Neapolitan pizza places to open in the United States. Yeah. Um, with a chef from Naples. So this is the first like legit import. Yeah, pizza I mean, I had some, like- I had some pizza in Naples, and for some reason that would, that aha moment didn't happen the same way with, <laughs> as it did with French fries. I don't know. Maybe. So Anthony and his wife, then girlfriend packed up and treaded their tires north for New York. After all, since then I've traveled around the world. I've worked in a bunch of different cities, you know, I've lived abroad. Like, yeah, man, there's only one New York, you know. The two found themselves in Brooklyn, and it was here that he met the folks behind Roberta's, an Italian restaurant and wood-fired pizza joint. It was exactly what Anthony was looking for. I went out to the train one day to check it out while they were building it, and I was just like, this is kind of crazy. Like, good, like, lu- good luck. Like, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'll definitely come. I want to learn how to make pizza really bad. They didn't even ask me if I'd ever cooked before, really. It wasn't like a restaurant where you could, like, get a well-known chef to come in there. Like, you know, it was in the middle of nowhere. Like, where, like people, nobody really knew what they were doing. Okay, so this is like... You know, there was a very early days. And so, like, like, all these things I talk about that are important, like consistency, organization... Uh, came out of the fact that they weren't present (laughs) at Roberta's and it was very frustrating to me but the thing that really got me hooked was like I was they was I had to work my way up to working the wood oven wow it was like be like learning a magic trick you know I was in front of a fryer for three years you know (laughs) it's not interesting to just stare at bubbling oil like (laughs) <laughs> to stare at fire all day. Much it cooler. does not get old ever. <laughs> it's amazing. Roberta's is where Anthony was given the admittedly tongue-in-cheek title of Pizza Czar. I think they were purposely trying to, like, give me a stupid job title. Um, <laughs> like, to keep me out of, like, the hierarchy of chefs. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, you know, normally there's like you become a chef and then a sous chef and you know chef de cuisine and so somebody's like, oh, were you a chef de cuisine? And you were like, no, I was a pizza czar. And exactly. They're like, and they're like, that's not a thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that was on purpose for them to like kind of keep me from like kind of having like a job title that was would be lucrative in the future. You know, but it's also. <laughs> Legally, the only way I can refer to my time at Roberta's is Pizza Czar. Pizza Czar, yeah. So, I'm not going to get into it. I know. You'd really like me to. Trust me. I would, too. But mostly because of legal reasons, I just can't. Ownership was wrapped up in legal cases. And ultimately, Anthony sided with the wrong person. He eventually got bought out. So, once again, 
Anthony found himself without work. I worked a lot when I was at Roberta's. My wife used to joke that Roberta was my real wife. I have a, like, Roberta's tattoo. Like, I had no... Yeah. There was no, This was my career. I was going to stay there forever. And so I really had to kind of figure out what I was going to do with my life. You see, Anthony was on the other side of the country when he was fired. He found himself looking out towards the left coast, wondering what was next. Anthony posted a quick thank you on his Instagram for his time spent at Roberta's. He put the phone down and watched the sunset. But then the thing started coming in a little bit, you know. One offer landed him back in the tech world, somewhere he thought he'd long ago escaped. This time, it was a startup looking to make pizzas with robots. I don't think I processed it at the time as being so circular, but yeah, now that I think about it, it was like really interesting that like I was back in this Silicon Valley kind of world and they had taken the thing that I had like was was passionate about and like, you know, was totally uncompromising about and they're talking about basically this like horrible shit that made me want to get out of the tech industry <laughs> in the first place. You know? But a real opportunity did come through. This one from Brazil. We had done a pop-up there, a Roberta's pop-up there, and the bras, they own 40-something, 50 different restaurants. Uh, they contact me, they're like, look, we're working on this new project and we see you're free now, like, would you like to come and be a part of it? And, um, yeah, I mean, it's consulting, but it's, they, they, I'm pretty heavily featured in the brand. Okay. Like, you know, like, I did a lot of graphic design for them. They use my persona in the brand a lot, you yeah. know. And um, I have, I'm actually, like, you know, working my way towards partnership with that company. And, like, we actually have six locations Oh, nice. now. And we're going to have 10 by the end of the year. And it's a, it's a really big force in Sao Paulo's pizza scene. They're just like a really great operators, great people. Organized. Yeah, super <laughs> Consistent. Organized. Yes. Like organized, consistent. Everything like Roberta's that. wasn't when I started there. Um, yeah. And these places would open and they'd be successful. And more and more my name was getting out there. Um, and people all, like more inquiries keep coming in. Anthony's consulted on 20 pizza joints in 13 countries at this point. And most of them start out asking for the same thing, the mother of all pizzas, or maybe the chain-smoking, disgruntled uncle that you can't help but love, the New York Slice. And of course, Anthony knows where to get the best, so we pack up the gear, head outside, and grab a cab up to Greenwich Village. But on the way, I had to ask Anthony about maybe the biggest hot take of his career. According to Anthony... New York is not the best pizza city in the world. No, 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 no. The spot with the best pizza? Portland, Oregon. Okay, so the story goes, a year back, an article ran with the headline, Pizza Consultant Dubs Portland Best Pizza City. And as the pizza guy living in and working out of New York, well, this type of bold claim charred a few fans. Why New York-style pizza? I mean, because there's so many asshole New Yorkers saying how it's the best thing in the world, you know? I don't know. Like, it's only get, you only get good pizza, that New York pizza, <laughs> the brick oven, the nice thin crust pizza. I'm Italian-American. I can do that voice. It's okay? fine. It's fine. So, but, yeah, I mean, it's just it's got – there's a mythos into the – you know, and that's a lot of what my job is, is kind of breaking that. Like, it's like, look, you can have great pizza anywhere in the world. Like, it's not the water. Like, 
there's plenty of shitty pizza in New York, so you can't just sprinkle magical <laughs> New York City tap water on it. It's going to be good. <laughs> New York City tap water is like holy water for pizza. Yeah. It's like you just, no, but it's, you just sprinkle it on there. That pizza's blessed for life. Yeah, like it's <laughs> just it's human nature. Like people want to go buy Jordans and then you're not going to dunk from the free throw line, you know? Jordan could dunk in anything, like flip-flops, you know? Like, he worked his ass off his whole life to get there. Like, Scar's is great because Scar worked his ass off and worked at all the different pizza places and figured out what the secrets were and then put his own spin on it, you know? Anthony said it was an offhanded comment he made to a writer while he was out consulting and making pizzas in Portland at the time. But he still stands by what he said. I was trying to make a like statement about the quality of ingredients that are used in Portland. Yeah. The like the top I mean obviously New York has more pizzerias. <laughs> like <laughs> duh. Like so let's just eliminate that I'm even saying that that's a thing cuz that's cause a lot of people were just like New York has so many more pizza places and it's like well duh. <laughs> what I was trying to say is I will take Portland's top 3 over New York's top 3 or any other city's top 3 based on the skill, the quality of ingredients, and what they're doing. And also, Portland is a Mediterranean climate. You could have fresh herbs grown in Portland all year round. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's also just like my personal opinion that um, pizza is a delivery vice for probably one of the most aggressively local and seasonal restaurants in the country. Yeah. Like, people talk about that shit all the time, and they're full of fucking shit all the time. <laughs> Like, next time you see wild mushrooms on a menu, ask them what mushrooms they are. And if they say cremini and oyster, tell them, like, they're full of shit. Like, you can't be full of shit in Portland about that stuff. No, people call you on that shit, too. It's like, That's the other part of the equation is the educated dining clientele of Portland. When we come back, Anthony and I grab the best slice in New York. We talk about pizza's international flavor profile. And we stop at one of the restaurants Anthony helped open to get some honest opinions about what it's really like working with an international pizza consultant. All that and more coming up after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The original Joe's is on Carmine Street. It's a topic of debate, so I'm going to clear that up right now. What's not up for debate is that Joe's is the best New York slice in the city. It's your typical pizza joint, an unassuming sign out front, a few freestanding tables inside, and along the street, a stand-up couch. That's the thing. I mean, that's like, that's what New York pizza's all about, is we're, we're busy. We got places to go, people to see. Yeah, Order a few slices. Now we're going to grab a slice and keep moving. You know? And we'd like it across 6th Avenue and duck out of the summer heat, landing in some shade inside the park. Okay. Break this New York slice down for me. So we got a nice big slice here. Char on the bottom. That's like a calling card of Joe's. There's like some black spots on the bottom, a little bit of char. That's perfect. You want to see that in New York. There's crispness. It's very thin. The sauce is the first thing that always jumps out of me. Mm. It's super sweet, but not in the sense of like they sweetened it with sugar. It's sweet is in the sense of like a really super sweet tomato. You know, there's like little pockets of sauce peeking through the cheese. There's not too much cheese. There's a little bit of browning on top of the cheese. This is the pizza by which all others will be judged in New York and always will be. Because pizza is so accessible, everyone has an opinion. And there's one pizza critic based in New York by way of Boston that's the head of a sports network who's almost too big to not bring up at this point. One bite. Everybody knows the rules. (laughs) He doesn't know how to describe food very well. The only word he knows for how to describe sauce is tang. Like, oh, it's got some tang. Yep. I could not just go around and do that anymore. It's just like, I could look at it and I would know what was going to happen. I would be like, well, this is not going to be good. I know. It's not going to be like, he so looks at it and he's like, like, oh, this could be good. He doesn't know. Like, he's like, he's like a, he's like a child walking into a room with a bunch of toys. And he's just like, he doesn't even know where toys come from. You know, he's just... I mean, it's, it's entertaining. It's, he has also basically taken over so much oxygen in the pizza world in just the last, like, three years. It's insane. Like, he came out of nowhere. And the fact that he's a guy from Boston with, like, no pizza, basically, like, clout, and he's now the king of pizza reviews, yeah. it's hilarious. Like, they will make or break your pizzeria. Like, one of my clients, we opened, and he came and the guy mess starts messaging me. He's like, the Barstool Sports guys came in. He gave us like a 9.1 or something like that. It's one of the highest rankings ever. Yeah. And it was just overnight, the place just exploded. Like lines out the door, like triple with pizza volume they were doing the day before. You know, I mean, uh, hey, I'm just going to keep making pizza and he's going <laughs> to keep reviewing it, you know? And it's like, you're, I'm not going to really lose sleep over whether it's a good or bad review by him, you know? <laughs> And while he might not wish daily pizza reviews on himself, there are some drawbacks to a life lived between the crust. I've been to Japan once in my life, and it's kind of an inverse of this whole thing. It's like, I went there with my client from Kuwait because we're opening a Tokyo-style pizzeria in Kuwait. Um, And we flew to Japan for a week, and we ate 
pizza every single day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it was kind of like torture for me because I had loved Japan and Japanese food my entire life. And like here I am there, finally, and I'm just eating pizza every day. And it's really good pizza. But it was like, I just was like, I, just, I need some sushi. I need some ramen. I need something. <laughs> but whether it's Japan, Argentina, or Thailand, everywhere around the world connects with pizza. And standing outside Joe's, eating our inexpensive slice, I ask Anthony why he thinks that is. It's the world's most popular food, it's for sure. And like, I, I have some personal theories. I think it's accessible. Like, uh, if you think it's like culturally, it kind of transcends all cultures. Like a, a slice of cheese pizza is a real piece of pizza as much as like a pepperoni slice is or sliced with sausage. There's whole swaths of the world that don't eat pork or beef or meat altogether. A marinara pizza, which it predates the margarita and is the second most popular pizza in Naples is vegan. You know, so yeah. like it's such a simple food that's based on dietary restrictions is accessible to everyone. After that, it's just a, a real fluke, you know, I mean, it's like it times up with kind of post World War Two American culture spreading around the world. And at the same time, Italian Americans were being kind of accepted as like real Americans. Yeah. You know, like my my grandfather, you know, they wouldn't cut his hair in town, you know, because like. There's been a lot of discrimination of, you know, Italian-Americans and especially Sicilians, Southern Italians. And pizza is a Southern Italian thing. And it was one of the things that really like, oh, okay, I guess you guys are okay because you made pizza and pizza's delicious. So their ascension and acceptance into American culture happened at the same time that American culture was becoming accepted and globally spreading. So. And on top of that, pizza has always been a dish for the people. It's a lot of like just making do with what they had. It's not a cuisine of the rich, you know, or it's it's always been kind of a, a street food, a poor people food, you know, peasant food, you know. And speaking of food for the people, it's time to head to our final stop, a slice shop in Midtown that Anthony helped open just a handful of months back. That place is Upside Pizza. We get out of the cab Perfect. on the corner of 8th and West 39. This is a very busy street corner. Yeah, it's like, We walk uh, up to the bright, 90s-inspired, hole-in-the-wall pizza joint, where the shop owner, Noam Grossman, calls us down to the basement. There he is. We sidestep our way down the narrow staircase that I can only assume was built for goblins. You have to watch your head and your back on the way up. Now, if this were the plot of a horror movie, this would be where we'd roll end credits. Instead, it's a subterranean masterclass in pizza making. So... This just went through its first mix, and it's now in the autolyse period, 30-minute rest. Then uh, after that, you have right your 30-minute autolyse. Four hours there. And then gets all the portions. Four hours. And they'll proof. And then those four hours, seven more minutes. We'll top them. And then you have a Sicilian. I lost track of all the four hours. Did they even ask you a question, or you just kind of... No. All right, so this is it. Here's how we do it all. Gnome's eager to get into it. Could be that he's kindred spirits with Anthony. The man lives and breathes pizza. In fact, Gnome's partially to praise for the dollar slice. That's right. The dollar slice of pizza every New Yorker and tourist the world over has come to love about this city is basically all of thanks to Gnome. It was generally an unwritten rule 
that the price of a slice in New York was equal to the cost of a subway ticket. If one went up, so did the other. But when Noam and the guys behind Two Brothers Pizza started expanding their dollar slice shops around Midtown back in 2008, they ended up setting off a price war. The rock bottom $1 price tag was, at the time, even seen by some as the aftermath of the financial collapse. But no, it was just Noam. And as a result, it's changed how every New Yorker now sees pizza. But being known as the dollar slice shop comes with its own kind of drawbacks. It's their business model now, and they're, they're chained to it. Uh, and then they, the whole point of upside for them was like, look, money's no object. Let's make the best possible pizza that we can. So when Noam wanted to create his next pizza project, he turned to Anthony for help. Yeah, I think like we're pretty spot on with like what we set out to do, which is like ingredient-wise, um, dough that we're using, being super conscious about like everything we bring in here, from like non-bromated, non-breached flours to like all the great, great stuff that's available. We weren't willing to compromise, and I think that non-willingness to compromise is, is why we're both here and why this place has kind of gotten the the very quick start that it has. Now it's, you know, it's about um, making sure that it stays that way forever. And someone like Anthony can even help in less direct ways. If you want an expose in the Times, open up down the street. (laughs) I'm sure that's all it takes. That's it? That's all you need? And a couple of well-placed messages from your international pizza consultant. (laughs) But Anthony's work is much more than a grocery list of ingredients and some handwritten baking instructions. And a part of what I do now, I think, as a consultant is just be the guy who is done it who I opened nine restaurants last year you know like some people will do that like two or three times in their life you know and it's like they will all consistently tell you it's like the hardest thing they've ever done and so a lot of times and like yeah they're definitely way more committed into it as I am but I want to be as committed as I possibly can and a lot of times it's just like I'm the guy who when the grenades start getting thrown and exploding I'm the guy who's just kind of waltzing through and like you know I love the smell of napalm in the morning, you know, like I just need to be that guy because it makes everyone else like kind of a little more like, okay, everything's going to be fine, you know, comfort. Yeah. Give some people some comfort with the levels of insanity. Yeah, exactly. Comfort with a side of marinara. That's the whole (laughs) business model right there. But I don't think this whole thing would be nearly as rewarding, nor do I think I would have as much passion for it as I do because... It wasn't like, oh, hey, I'm Anthony Falco. Like, here's your dough recipe. Like, here's how much cheese you're going to use. Here's what you're going to make. You know, let's do it once or twice. And then, you know, if something goes wrong, just call me. It was like, yeah, let's build something. Because let's face it, not everyone's built to run a pizza place. Everyday process. And that's like why I structure it, where it's a long-term relationship. And that's why I say no to people who I don't think it's going to work. You know, it's like there's people where I'm just like, yeah, I don't think, A, you should start a pizza place or, like, I don't think you, you're you going to get what you want out of me. Like, you're not yeah. just going to be able to slide me some cash and get the recipes and then it's going to be great. Like, that's not how it works. It's like, we're going to do this together and, you know, I'm going to be there for you. You know, like, whatever, whatever the, like, Anthony gets paid, like, most of that's worth just, like, being able to pick up that phone and be like, yo, today sucked. Here's what happened. 
tell me it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, like, like, rub my back over the phone. <laughs> there's a lot of that for, for a lot of clients. Yeah. I mean, Gnome is especially needy, but... Like. <laughs> Anthony's got a pretty unique outlook on things. And when it comes to his philosophy on pizza, and I don't know, maybe life, I'm reminded of something he told me back when we started the day at Scars. I kind of like have no idea how he does this too. That's why I really love this. Is like, you don't, you can't look at, you don't know what's making this. I pizza. don't know how he makes it taste so damn really? good. Really? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is, and I don't want to know. Like, this is like, <laughs> like, is it like, is there like trade secrets in sure. the pizza? Do you have trade secrets that you've like never no. told? You don't have any no, tricks. No, I tell people anything. <laughs> So you're not, like, holding anything in the back pocket of, like, the no. real secret way to do it? No, I probably shouldn't say this, but, like, when people met, like, message me and they want to know something, I, like, tell them my rates, and they're like, oh, my gosh, well, like, I can't afford that. And I'm like, all right, what do you want to know? I'll just tell you anyway. Like, like, well, I, mean, I just want there to be more great pizza in the world because it's, like, there's not – this is, a this is sadly, unique. Mm. You know, there's not – too many people doing pizza that taste this good. Like, Anthony might have a dream job, but dreams aren't always linear lines or the result of some vision board. When Anthony lost his five-year-old nephew, Frankie, everything in his life changed. And it's all the result of something Frankie left behind for Anthony. You know, but for me, my dream was to just, like, survive outside of normal society. <laughs> you know, to not ever have a real job. When did you, like, just decide, like, I'm never going to go back into tech. I'm never going to work a 9 to 5. Was that, like, Palm Frites, Amsterdam, oh. I mean, Roberta's? It was, it was when when Frankie died. And that was it. I was like, that's it. I'm not living for anyone else. You know, I think he had, I mean, it's kind of, I'm not, like, into the supernatural or anything like that. But, like, you know, they, they gave me something when I was down there for the funeral. And it was, like, a little envelope. And it had, you know, kind of my name kind of scrawled on there. Um, yeah. And it was closed. And there, and he had, a, like, a few months before he died, said, like, this is for Uncle Anthony. And, like, you know, don't look at it. But, like, it's for him. So next time he comes, it's, it's for him. And um, uh, I opened it up, and it was like a koosh ball. Just like a little rubber cushion, you know, like a cushion. yeah, like with the little, little hairs, the little spindly guy, hairs yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. And I just stared at it for a really long time, and I'm just trying to figure out, like, what the fuck is the uh, message here? Like, what is he trying to tell me? And I think it was like I'd settled on the fact that he was basically just saying, like, you know, like play, like don't take it so seriously, man. Just play, play. You were you were being way too serious. You were like a 19 year old calling yourself vice president of you know creative. <laughs> Like, just go play, dude. And that was, that's, I, that basically lived my life that whole way. I don't, I try not to take anything too seriously. And uh, so I guess it's working out. Yeah. After all, it's like Anthony always says, if you can make it as a pizza consultant in New York, you could make it as a pizza consultant anywhere. Today's episode was written and produced by Matthew Brown. We'd like to thank Scars Pizza, Joe's, and Upside Pizza for all the amazing eats. So delicious. Anthony's opening a new pizza joint in Buenos Aires, Argentina right now. So best of luck with the latest adventure, Tony. If you head over to our social, you can see so much more bonus material. 
like Anthony's hand-drawn instructions for how to properly reheat pizza. He learned it from his dad, and it should be framed inside everyone's kitchen. We have some incredible guests lined up for this season, so be sure to subscribe to the show now. That way, you'll get every new episode delivered right there into your podcast feed each week. So convenient. If you know a weird job, or maybe you just have a question for Anthony about pizza, send us a note to hello at weirdworkpodcast.com. We might use your question in an upcoming episode. As always, I'm Sam Balter, and stay weird, you melty city pizza rats. One more thing before you go. I want to tell you about another podcast I know you'll love. It's called 20,000 Hertz. It's all about sound. 20,000 Hertz is made by a team of professional sound designers. And the show tells the stories behind the world's most recognizable and interesting sounds. Things like how the sound of slot machines force you to keep playing. Or what's the story behind the THX deep note? Or could your phone be spying on you through your microphone? It's a blend of pop culture, science, history. You never know what to expect. The show is hosted by Dallas Taylor, who talks with experts from around the world about how sound affects our mind and body. Every episode is filled with highly crafted audio candy. It helps to both engage and educate on the topic. And honestly, it just makes the show a treat to listen to. You can find 20,000 Hertz wherever you find your podcast. So take a moment to go tap the subscribe button. And 20,000 Hertz, it's all spelled out without any numbers, just the letters. So T-W-E, you get it. Just go, subscribe, enjoy the show.